everyone! We're finally back from hiatus, so welcome back to Arkham Archives. And also, before we forget, happy 50th episode to Batwoman! Yay! <laughs> what a cool landmark! We're raising our glasses, if we had some, to that. <laughs> <laughs> and just here's to many more episodes to come, you know? Yeah. yeah. Hashtag renew Batwoman. <laughs> I was waiting and no one said anything. <laughs> I'm slow today. <laughs> Look, I'm at the point where I'm just acting like that woman has already been renewed. You exactly. Know? I'm manifesting it in that way. So <laughs> Yes. So we have had a significant increase in the amount of listeners, which is so cool. Thank you for being here. So I just wanted to do a small introduction for anyone that's new. We are three best friends who love Batwoman and just decided to create our own little passion project for this show. And we have been commenting on each episode since the beginning of the season. And it's been a blast, honestly, just talking to each other and getting to know the fandom a bit more. Yeah. Yeah, we rotate who hosts each week, so you'll get to hear from everyone. I'm Anna, and I'm happy to introduce you to the other hosts slash inmates, Ines <laughs> and Fran. Hello, how have you been and how did you cope with this break? <laughs> Hi guys, uh, I've been good, honestly. Uh, I really did miss Batwoman though, and I miss doing the podcast. Um, so very happy we're back. Yeah. <laughs> Big same. And I asked uh, how we've been coping with this break and I haven't, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it's been hard. <laughs> it's been difficult. I mean... Uh, watching shows together has kind of softened the blow a bit. So if anyone wants to chat about yellow jackets at us, yes. <laughs> but but yeah, other than that, it's been quite boring. If I'm honest, I just <laughs> I miss the show a lot, and I miss talking to you girls about it. So I'm happy we're here again. Yeah. <laughs> just a quick note to say: if you want to talk with us on social media, we are at Arkham underscore Archives on Twitter and Instagram. And also, we always appreciate it if you can leave a review on your podcast app, if that is an option for you. Now that all that is out of the way, we can dive deep into one of my personal favorite episodes with a fitting title for this podcast. <laughs> We're all mad here. <laughs> so true. So true. This week, we had a mad fight for the Joy Buzzer, with the bad team trying to get it for Marcus, while Alice, trying to fight off her hallucinations, also tries to snatch it for herself. Meanwhile, Mary attempts to make amends for her harm as Poison Mary, while Sophie and Ryan finally define the relationship, making one very happy bad team. So, first of all, I wrote here that I had a secret question, and I have to admit, I didn't really think about it <laughs> until, like, today. <laughs> But I thought of something, and that was, this season, if you could change anything that happened, big or small, what would it be? Ooh, that's actually such a good question. Thank you. <laughs> My improv. <laughs> okay, I'll go first before Fran snatches it from me, but <laughs> um, I think I would change the Poison Ivy resolution, most of all. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a good one. I... Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of how things uh, ended with both her and Renee and the way they left the show, so I think I would change that personally. Uh, that's a really good answer. I'm gonna go with Luke's storyline. 
yeah. I think it's also been, makes sense. Yeah, throughout the podcast, it's been like one of the most constant complaints that we've had, and so yeah, I'm gonna go with that. I love Luke, and I think there was a lot more potential with the storyline that was not uh, achieved. So yeah, I think that's gonna be my answer. I won't say the reasons because we've said them so many times already. Yeah, it's been <laughs> yeah. our biggest complaint, I think. Yeah, go listen to previous episodes if you want to find out why. I wasn't sure where to start this week, honestly, because I'm still very overwhelmed. So I guess I will start from that first scene where Alice supposedly breaks into the building and zaps herself with a joy buzzer, showing us what it would be like to be Beth again. And just seeing Rachel act as both Beth and Alice was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And it really explored Alice's feelings of guilt with everyone around her, uh, including Dead Ocean and later on Mouse, telling her she doesn't deserve it. And the part where she wakes up sobbing in the subway was just so hard to watch. Uh, yeah. I know we asked for an Alice episode, but goddamn it, I definitely cried from that scene on. It was hard. I mean, we should have learned by now not to ask for anything <laughs> in this show, yeah. because it usually backfires. <laughs> the opening sequence was really cool, the way it was written. Uh, it allowed us like a peek into Alice's mind. And yeah, like you said, it's very clear that she has a lot of conflicting ideas in her head and that her pent-up guilt has finally come to get its dues. It's also clear that Mary's support of her is something that she really values. And yeah. also mm -hmm. just just uh, Ryan's rejection being something that really pains her was also very clear from um, her delusions because Ryan kept popping up and the bad team's comments kept popping up. And that was in Alice's mind. So it was cool to see that she actually worries about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then just the back and forth between subjective and objective reality is something that I always love uh, because it's just so inherently cinematic. Like, I feel like TV and cinema and the moving image in general are the best way to show, like, character subjectivity in their mind spaces because it has so many inherent traits as a medium, like editing, sound, camera movement... And that really allows you to depict what goes on inside someone's mind. And I think Batwoman did a great job with that in this episode. And Rachel fucking killed it with the acting. Yeah. <laughs> and now that I finished the episode, I really wish she had gotten the joy buzzer that easily at the start. Uh, and that the entire <laughs> episode had been about her coming to terms with being Beth again. I mean, what I mean is like, I wish the vision had been the actual reality because what we got instead was interesting yeah i'll say that for now yeah that would make for a cool season or like half season just her dealing with being beth again and i know mm -hmm. we're gonna talk about this later but <laughs> it definitely feels like we're back to where we were with her again yeah, yeah. and it doesn't evolve literally um yeah i have to agree with you friend that the opening sequence was um quite interesting to me um, the episode as a whole was definitely a tearjerker, and with the opening scene in special, we know it's Alice's delusion, yes, uh, with, you know, a little callback here and there to the pilot episode of Batwoman, when she used the same paddle from the orphanage to kick ass, but I think there are some elements in here that show how Alice sees herself in relation to the team, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, as the episode ends up proving, is... And we are going to get into it eventually. Um, yeah. It's most certainly not how the team sees her at all. 
there are a few things about Alice's delusion that stood out for me. And, you know, when she's dropped off at the clinic, at Mary's clinic by the vet team, after having used the joy buzzer on herself, in this hypothetical scenario, the team gets to her before the GCPD and therefore saves her from another stay at Arkham, which, you know, ironically, mm, yeah. we know is not what ends up happening in this episode. Yikes. But with that being said, though, I love scenes like this uh, that take place in characters' subconscious or, in this case, in a full-blown-out delusion. Uh, I think they offer us a peek into things characters sometimes feel and yearn for but aren't quite ready to admit out loud or even process. So when she wakes up at the clinic, still in the delusion, Alice is greeted by a very understanding and supportive Mary. Right. Uh, Then at court, Alice's case is brought up very much displaying her as a victim. And one can even say that the characters' reactions... At that point, the the slight understanding with Ryan and Sophie making some remark about, you know, Alice looking human can kind of mean that's what Alice really wants from them. That's interesting because, sorry to interrupt you, but I felt I totally interpreted differently. What I interpreted as is Sophie being condescending when she asks, they almost make her sound like a victim. And then later on in the staircase, when they're leaving court, she's really mean towards Alice. And she's like, everyone, Mm -hmm. like the public opinion has changed, but uh, you still have a lot to prove. So I felt like Mm -hmm. those were actually her insecurities and not like her hoping that the bad team would act that way. I don't know. Yeah, and I would... I was going to get to that eventually because I think there's a bit of both. Mm -hmm. Because like I was saying, I feel like those immediate reactions of, oh, maybe Alice is human, are, you know, they contrast with that splash of reality, then with Ryan still not being on her side, because yet again, Alice um, has had to cross her, you know, even if she did it to save herself. So there's always that divide between them, despite, at an initial point, Alice maybe feeling that they can come to kind of understand her. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's also very clear in the bit at the cemetery when her guilt starts seeping in and we see Ocean for the first time. Before I get to that, though, another callback to Alice's past and one that seriously got to me uh, is the line at the cemetery about uh, Beth always being there and just needing to be found. Mm-hmm. I love that line. Uh, and, of course, it relates not only to Alice being good, like deep down and needing to you know, have some support and put in the work to bring the person she once was and the person she can be back to surface, but also to how different her life could have been if Beth, little Beth, had literally been found back when she was being held captive. Absolutely. Uh, So I think this episode is really layered. And like we mentioned, there's also that guilt about having killed Mouse and being somewhat responsible for Ocean's death. Yeah. And that guilt and the notion of perhaps not being worthy or deserving of of salvation and a better life because of all she's done and all the harm she's caused eventually snaps her out of her delusion. And she goes to Mary for help, which I also have a lot to say about that scene, but I know we're going to get to that in a bit. (laughs) But, you know, long story short and all of this, Rachel is a phenomenal actress. I think we can all agree on that. Yes. Um, 
like we know this <laughs> and the scene where Beth pleads uh, with Alice you know this bad persona to leave her alone is one of my favorite scenes she's had in recent times uh, if not ever you know the one at the subway where she punches the mirror yeah the one where she punches yeah. the mirror that you know it really broke me because you know I get what she wants and you know she wants to put Alice behind her but we all know it's not going to be that easy. And as we talked about, the joy buzzer is not going to work just like that on her. Because Alice is not the person without empathy. So the joy buzzer would probably only make her worse. Like, let's be real. Yeah, she, the person she wants to be, Beth, is a whole other person from another reality. If she exactly. hasn't been kidnapped. So it's not just empathy. And I think that's hard for her to understand because she wishes she had just a quick solution, you know, to have the life she could have been back, we could mm -hmm. say it like that. And yeah, that was heartbreaking. And I just wanted to say, I think uh, Batwoman has great acting all around, but Rachel is just, she's top tier, I'm sorry. I know I'm biased, but... <laughs> she, Absolutely. I mean, that I think scene in the all... mirror, I was just, I was in the ground. I was it, mm -hmm. so I, intense. Yeah, I think they all have their moments, like their big moments, but... Rachel all around is just so consistently good. She can do everything. <laughs> she <like>. can. <laughs> and, you know, that's why that's one of my favorite scenes. And another of my favorite scenes is the one between Alice and Mary towards the beginning of the episode. You know, the you're not my sister one. Mm. Yeah. Like, talk about acting, because when you put Nicole and Rachel together in yeah, the scene... Nicole, yeah, I was gonna say, just, Nicole could... Um, fight Rachel for that top spot best actor <laughs> yeah it's fireworks when they're together honestly um, and we see Mary lash out and Alice out of care you know thinking she'd taken off with what she'd given her in the past episode only to find out she's still very much in Gotham despite the APB on her head and they have that whole argument about the joy buzzer with Mary ultimately telling Alice she's not her sister, like we mentioned, because a sister wouldn't have let her, you know, do the things she's done while under the influence of the Ivies. And whether that scene is still a part of Alice's delusion or not, I think is something I can answer and was left quite in the open because I've seen several opinions. I personally don't think it was a delusion, but uh, mm. I've seen some opinions of people who think it was, and I think it was left ambiguous on it purpose. Was. Um, I'm not sure, actually. Yeah, because, you know, like you mentioned, this is Alice's biggest insecurity at the moment, her relationship with Mary. And, you know, it's hard to say it, but in a way, Mary is right. She isn't, but she is, you know, because while Alice did have her back and tried to stop her when things got too far gone, uh, she also did allow for Mary to get to the point where she was because selfishly so, but also understandably so, Alice wanted a sister and, well, yeah. she'd gotten one there. So, of course, she wanted to keep that. If we think about it, even here, um, again, to break the delusion versus reality thing, Alice really didn't get the supportive sister she wanted. No. Um, and instead, you know, Mary wanted her out of Gotham, partly because she cares about Alice, but mostly because Alice reminds her of what she of done. Of the harm, yeah. And who she almost turned into. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so, yeah, I mean, to shut up, because I've been talking for forever now, uh, <laughs> Alice's storyline is very complex, as we know, but I'm really glad the show took this episode as an opportunity to really dive into it, uh, even if I don't agree with everything every character has done so far, but I'm sure we'll get into that in a bit. <laughs> And can we talk about Alice taking the blame for Mary in the killing of the guy before Mary told Alice it was all her fault for what happened? Like, come on. I will rant later on, but if there is a character that is redeemable this season is Alice, like we said. And the way the bad team treats her is quite honestly disgusting. And I have a lot of opinions about that. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, how did you feel about Alice taking that step? Yeah, I got so emotional when the family of Mary's victim revealed that Alice took the fall for the murder. It's been clear since season one that um, Alice will do anything for the people that she loves. But yeah. whereas that anything has kind of blurred lines and questionable morality. Uh, now her intentions seem to have become more genuine and good. I think also because the person that she loves now is Mary, not Mouse or Kate or Ocean, who are all like kind of morally questionable themselves. Uh, but Mary, who is one of the most genuinely kind-hearted and truly decent people, um, I felt like it was a, a logical development for Alice's character and it made me truly emotional Because it showcases mm -hmm. the good that is still in her. Mm -hmm. I have to agree. I was pretty shocked to see Alice take the blame uh, for this one crime she hasn't committed, if I'm honest. Um, but, you know, it makes complete sense that she did. After all, and as she pointed out at the end of the episode, uh, what's one more crime to, <laughs> to her, <laughs> her long-ass yeah. resume of crimes? Um, but, you know, it still took me by surprise. Even though it doesn't really erase the guilt Mary certainly feels it's clear it provided some sense of relief to her and I think it was really nice of Alice to do that for her I think, uh, I think Alice just really wants Mary to like her again yeah yeah I she's think doing... there's a selfish portion to it of course yeah yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah yeah like we said she wants to be this good person also for Mary she wants Mary to like her and I think I think it's what hurts her the most as well uh, when Mary says she's not really her sister because she did everything to get that approval, you know? Right. And it's just heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even though there's definitely that I want her to like me portion to it, I'm still really proud of Alice for wanting to shelter Mary in the way that she did. I think it speaks volumes as to how she feels about her and how she's trying to fix things. Uh, any way she knows how and yeah I quite enjoyed it even if Mary clearly still has uh, work to do in order to come to terms with what she's done. I think the message that this episode tried to convey and honestly the whole show what we're supposed to feel about Alice is always just so complex and conflicting they really said like we're gonna have the audience do the whole work themselves we're not gonna tell you what we're supposed to feel about Alice And yeah. you're just gonna have to figure that out for your damn self. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, there are gonna be conflicting opinions on Alice. Because she's, yeah. she, you know, she's... We have seen them. <laughs> we have. And, you know, she's that type of character. Not everyone is going to like her. Uh, yeah. But... But you and know I mean, what I mean? Like, the, when you're writing, you kind of have, like, a clear message of what you want to convey. Whether that mm -hmm. goes through to the audience or not, it's another thing. But... I feel like mm -hmm. the, the writers are purposefully putting two opposite opinions within the show itself. 
mm-hmm. and just you know having you just question it yourself uh, instead of kind of having one clear idea of what they want you to think i can't figure mm-hmm. out what the writers want me to think about alice yeah and i mean we kind of talked about this in uh, earlier in the season when alice you know basically told that little girl to fend for herself <laughs> yeah. right uh, right i mean yeah. we had opinions back then yeah. <laughs> about about alice and you know it's great though that these opinions can coexist you know we can condemn her one moment and be very sympathetic towards her the next and i think that's what really makes the character exactly yeah. she's not a good character like She's so great. She, yeah, like what the fandom says, and yeah, I'm going to get into it a bit, <laughs> is that everyone says, oh no, because she killed Ryan's mother and Mary's mother and you can't like her. Like, no, she's complex. Like, I can like bad characters. That's not bad of me. Like, they make you like her. Otherwise, they wouldn't give you those emotional scenes and all that she goes through. Like, yeah. it's fair that they don't like her, but it's also fair that she has fans, you know? She's not dislikable. She's just very complex. And I think it just appeals to what you like in a character. If you like a really good sunshine character, you're not going to like Alice. But if you're more drawn to complex storylines, maybe you will appreciate it. And mm-hmm. I think it's ambiguous, like what you said, but also it depends on what you like, I think, in storyline and storytelling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we like all the characters in the show. Yeah, I, lo- I like love when... sunshine characters, yeah, like, like, you know. Mary, but I also <laughs> love my villains. <laughs> I think it speaks volumes for the writers uh, that they've made a character so controversial and that all opinions are valid when it comes mm-hmm. to Alice. Uh, she She's a wonderfully written character and uh, wonderfully acted by Rachel. She's also given a lot of depth to Alice that maybe is not there on the paper. And she brought Alice to life. I don't even know if she was supposed to be this relevant from day one. Or if uh, Rachel was so charismatic and captivating that they just had to keep giving Alice storylines. But mm-hmm. either way, she's obviously like such a, a huge part of the show. And right now there's a lot of controversy. But uh, yeah, I think it's time that there's a uh, official step forward in her storyline. Yeah, we're we're kind of just repeating the same thing over and over. And unless she gets a new storyline, like a big one, I don't know how she's going to keep being in the show, honestly. Like, yeah. I love her, she's my favorite, but I don't want to see the same story over and over again. Yeah, and like the ambiguity from the writers is great, but at one point, you have to like... You have to make a decision, I think. Whether she's worth saving or not. If she's not worth saving in your opinion, just let her go. She's at Arkham forever. If she's worth saving, just do it already because it's been three seasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And honestly, it's hard to speculate on a season four because I still have no fucking idea what's going to happen next episode. Uh, But (laughs) I really think that season four will be a big season for Alice in terms of the development, uh, exactly because of what you were saying. Like, we've had three seasons of this. It's not... It doesn't make any sense if they keep going this route with the, with the character because it's just unfathomable to keep on this track of back and forth on is Alice good, is Alice not good? So I really think that 
end of season three, beginning of season four will have to be a big moment for Alice because the joy buzzer will not work. So if she does get to use it, she'll go crazy. And that's what we get in season four. If she doesn't get to use it and they waste it, I mean, not necessarily wasted. Yes, on wasted. Wasted. <laughs> say it, girl. You know what to say. We're getting God. controversial today, so it's fine. Uh, and they use it on Marquis, or it ends up getting broken. Then we'll have to get this Alice who has to realize, and personally, I really want that storyline for her. We have to get this Alice who has to realize, you know, there's not a magic fix for me. I mm-hmm. have to put in the work. And I really think that season four will give us that. Because she wants to be good. Just give she her does. a chance. I'm so mad. Exactly. <laughs> I let mean, her try. Not the joy buzzer, because that shit's not going to work. But, you know, just give her a chance to actually be a good person. Yeah. And a natural chance. Uh, I have to say that the person I forgive the most to is Mary in this episode. Uh, She has been through a lot. And it's true, Alice influenced her. Although not at that moment when she kills a guy. But from that last scene, I can tell Mary will be there for her and get her out. I'm counting on Mary. She's the only one I'm counting on. (laughs) Do you feel the same? Or do you think she will stand with the bad team on this one? Oh, she better fucking not. (laughs) Because... I I saw the way that she reacted when Ryan was like, I'm not letting Marcus spend the rest of his life in Arkham. During, like, the wild Mm -hmm. more couch scene. I don't know if this was scripted or if it was Nicole's choice in microacting, but you can see her, like, flinch. Because at that point, I thought Mary Mm -hmm. was going to come forward and say something like, hold on, but it's okay there's no Alice in there. Mm -hmm. But she didn't. Um... Although I think that is like somewhat understandable because she does always struggle with disagreeing or standing up to the bad team. That was a huge plot point in this season. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have been a great moment to show like a difference in dynamic in the bad team where uh, Mary has more of a voice, but it didn't happen. Maybe because she's also struggling with her own feelings towards Alice at the moment. Yeah. Um, but at some point she better stand up for Alice or I'll be really pissed. Like. This episode was not at all how I expected things to go. (laughs) Same. I thought she would take her side kind of immediately and then deal with her feelings, but more of an inside thing, not just like, it was your fault. Ah." I wasn't expecting that from Mary at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely counting on Mary to get Alice out of the situation she's in. Absolutely. Um... As I've mentioned before, uh, I do believe Alice has had some influence in what Mary's done when she was under the influence, but she was also the one to try and put a stop to Mary when things got bad. You know, to the point she went back to Gotham to get the bad team to help, even though she was already a wanted fugitive by then. Yeah. Plus, with what happened recently with Alice taking the fall for the murder Mary committed, I think her sisterly love will kick into gear. You know, motivated by some of the guilt she's definitely feeling for what she said to Alice when she didn't know um, what Alice had done for her. Plus, at the end of the episode, Ryan did ask Mary to give her like 24... In that scene you were talking about, she also asked Mary to give her 24 hours when Mary gave her that look um, before she'd hand her the buzzer. So... Whether or not Ryan will stick to the promise is a whole nother conversation for a mm-hmm. different time. But, you know, all in all, I don't think Mary will have to go against the team under the condition that Ryan's plans for Marquis fall through. 
Okay, before I get over this, I promise, I really need to say the scene that pissed me off the most was when Alice was bawling on the ground, begging Sophie not to put her back in Arkham, and they just yeah. do it. Like, there's no scene of them going over it or maybe suggesting that at least Alice wants to get better and Marquise doesn't. So shouldn't they at least try to help the person that wants to be good? I'm just so annoyed that Alice is always at step zero with the team and the only person, like I said, I can count on is Mary, to be honest. And just, I don't know how to ask you this, but just how did you feel about all of this? I I'm with you completely. Uh, like, it's not even the treatment of Alice, because honestly, uh, as much as it makes me see red to admit this, this has just been the norm for this show ever since Kate and Jacob days. Like, nothing has changed. It's just that the stark contrast now that we have Marcus between their handling of Alice and their handling of Marcus. Like, yep. I was just saying... For Ryan, it's unthinkable to let Marcus spend the rest of his life in Arkham because he's a brother or whatever the fuck. When he's every single bit as dangerous and unforgivable as Alice and after she's come so far, doesn't Ryan believe in redemption? Like, yes, Alice's gang killed her mom. Wasn't even Alice herself, though. But anyways, that's another conversation. Yeah. But Marcus almost killed her bio mom like 300 times. Trying in this to episode. <laughs> yeah, in yeah. this episode alone. <laughs> so, what's with the fucking double standard here? And Sophie, man, the fucking heartlessness? I am very pissed. And um, some of it was even out of character, I feel like. Just too insensitive. So, really, like I was saying, I wonder if there's more to it. Like I mentioned, the show is sending really mixed signals on what their stance on Alice actually is. It's interesting because... It gives us so much room to theorize and analyze, but it's also giving me headaches. Yeah. <laughs> I was definitely disappointed in the bad team for what they've done to Alice in this particular episode. Um, I don't know if they're doing it because they don't have anywhere to put Alice currently or because she's wanted by the police and it would be a bad look to have Batwoman save the day without turning Alice in, but... Throwing her back into Arkham was absolutely appalling, and I think we can all agree on that. The way they did it, too, was just so hard to watch. Yeah, it was very, very cold, very heartless. It was like they didn't even know her. It was, she was just banging on the floor, and they were like, okay, here you go to Arkham. Like, she was even roommates yeah. with Sophie one point, and she just yeah, takes was, her there. I don't get it. It was very sucky. Especially, though, because, you know, it shouldn't surprise me coming from Sophie, and still it does, because even in this episode, Sophie had this whole conversation uh, with Jada about how she needs to stop looking at Marquis as her baby boy and start seeing him as a criminal. That's kind of the stance she has on Alice. At the same time, it's like we always talk about, the show is kind of contradicting, and I think it's kind of on purpose, kind of not, because how many times has Sophie had a chance to turn in Alice and didn't? Yeah. You know, she they only treat her as a criminal sometimes. Yeah, when they need her, Alice is part of the team, but now she's back in Arkham. And I wonder how Sophie is going to feel about the whole, 
you need to stop taking care of Marquis like he's your baby boy when Ryan herself is going to do it. He's going to do it and going to try to take care of him like he's her brother, even though she didn't grow up with him, doesn't have any connection with him whatsoever. You know, time for a small rant here. Uh, personally, Go. I take more of an issue with the way the bad team has treated Alice than I do with Ryan herself. Okay. You know, it's going to be a controversial take in this group, I know, but, you know, listen me out. I think we're at a point in the show where Sophie and Luke don't have, you know, a big take in this feud with Alice. Like, they're just kind of there. I have no idea why Sophie is even so hostile towards Alice, like Alice has ever done anything to her. And Luke clearly doesn't give a fuck. He just never liked Alice. He still doesn't like her. Whatever. Um, and, you know, Mary herself has seemingly forgiven her for killing her mother after finding the sister she's wanted in Alice, even if just for a brief period there. <laughs> but, you know, that was a choice Mary made. And honestly, I don't think we can fault Ryan for not doing the same. Because despite agreeing with you, Fran, on the double standard that Ryan's had with Alice and Marquise, uh, I think we need to remember that Marquise, you know, despite me feeling that Ryan doesn't have much of an excuse to treat him like a brother since she didn't grow up with him and didn't even know he existed until recently, even with that, Marquise hasn't had a direct negative impact in Ryan's life quite the way Alice has, at least not yet, you know, if he kills Jada in the finale, that's a whole other thing that we'll talk about later. Mm. <laughs> um, even though I'm not of the opinion that Alice is directly at fault for Cora's death, Herminians did murder Ryan's mother. And in addition, Alice has been awful towards Ryan one time in the next, especially last season when she poked at Ryan for what happened with her mother. And I remember us all watching that and thinking that wasn't acceptable. And let's not forget she's the reason Renee knew Batwoman's real identity in this current season, which she then used to blackmail Ryan. So despite not agreeing with the Phantom on everything, and I don't, I do have to agree that Ryan has a plethora of reasons a very valid reasons to hate oh, Alice. Oh, I absolutely agree, actually. No, I agree with you there. It's Yeah, I agree as it's well. It's the lack of discussion for me. It's the, the joy mm -hmm. buzzers for Marcus for me. It's the Marcus can spend his whole life in Arkham for me, where they don't even think about that with Alice. We gotten to a point, I remember this scene vividly, where it was the uh, all of the female characters in Batwoman. They were discussing Arkham, they were discussing the methods that they use, they were like, we're not going to leave Alice there. We're going to find um, a way. And yep. uh, they, that's when they decided that she was going to be roomies with Sophie. Uh, yeah, exactly. So yeah. what happened? Yeah, there? what happened? Literally. It's like, yes, Alice has done terrible things. I believe Marcus has done equally terrible things. To Ryan, personally, the choice is very easy, for sure. But I thought this was a team. And uh, no one else was hurt on this, on this issue, especially not Mary. I think there should have been a debate. There should have been mm -hmm, a lot mm -hmm. more back and forth. Like, what are we going to do? What is more morally correct? Like, they, they, the bad team thinks of themselves as morally correct and the, upstanding, the morally upstanding characters. They mm -hmm. pride themselves mm -hmm. in that. It's a matter of just having the conversation. Why was this decision so quick? Why was it so heartless? Why was no one questioning her why was no one being like hey hold on like Maris marcus is uh equally terrible i mean if she, if they were so close if like they were like 
if they had grown up together, I wouldn't even question this. Yeah. I think the difference in reaction is just too opposite for it to make sense to me. And for me to be like, yeah, I kind of get it. Like, I needed I needed just the discussion, I feel like. And then I'd be like, okay, fine, whatever. Yeah, why is Marcus the one that needs to be saved when he's just a villain and they've actually been in the grey area with Alice, like, she's helped them? Is it just because he can be cured with the zap? I, I really don't get it. I guess that's it, because they believe he's a good person, he's only bad because of the zap? I mean, I guess... Is it is that it? Because I don't get it. Because they have more use with Alice than they have with Marcus. If you yeah, if you want to go for the use part, yeah, yeah. If you if you're being heartless like they are being, if you take out the emotion parts, they they need Alice. They needed Alice to to help save Mary in the other episode. Like I don't get it. And even if we're going for the he's a victim angle, well, so is Alice. She was literally held captive by a madman hello obviously it's not as simple yeah. as oh he got zapped so he's now bad it's more but the, the the brain damage is kind of similar and uh she deserves the kind of compassion that ryan has been having for for marquis like i don't know uh i'm gonna continue my rant <laughs> sorry uh, <laughs> we're getting very heated over alice yeah uh i was going to continue saying that with all of that being said, though, about the reasons Ryan does have to hate Alice. Uh, you girls know I'm also of the opinion that Alice is, you know, a product of the things she's had to do in order to be able to survive the gruesome things she's been through in the past. Uh, on top of that, she is mentally ill and regardless of what she has done, she deserves to be helped. Especially now that she actually wants that help and needs it you know, arguably more than ever before. The thing is, though, despite how much we ourselves sympathize with Alice, it doesn't mean Ryan has to. And hear me out, because I'm not going to excuse what Ryan has done. I'm mm -hmm. going to get to that. But, um, you know, while a lot of members of the Bat Team don't really have dog in this fight with Alice, Ryan does. She isn't a neutral party to this. You know, at worst, she hates Alice. At best, she tolerates her for the sake of Mary or for the sake of a mission. And I guess my rather unpopular opinion here is that she has every right to do so. Ryan doesn't have to like Alice after all that she's done, and that's okay. I personally think that's where the divide within the fandom comes from. As a fan of Alice, I want for her to get help and sympathy for the team. And as a fan of Ryan, I understand exactly why she isn't ready and willing to give that to Alice. Uh, it's okay to admit that, more so than it is to act like Ryan is older than thou for wanting justice for all Alice has done, as if that's the only thing at play here. With all of this being said, though, and this is the point I'm trying to get to with all of this, I don't need for Ryan and the team to help Alice because they like her. I really don't. I need them to do it because it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And the right thing to do isn't always the easiest thing to do. Exactly. You know, that's what mm -hmm. makes them heroes at the end of the day. And that's what makes them different from the rest, from the people they're trying to lock in and from the criminal system that treats people like Alice exactly the way they've been treating her recently. But at the end of the day, I think they will do the right thing. And that realization is what I'm hoping for in the future of the show. Uh, and especially in the season finale. Mm -hmm. So to make a long story short... 
Ryan is right, Alice is also right. Alice deserves help because she's a person, despite of everything she's done. She is worthy of that help. I personally think Marquise is also, you know, deserving of that help. Not to the degree to me that Alice is, because I'm way more attached to Alice, but he does deserve that help because at the end of the day, you know, I'm a humanitarian and I love people and I believe in people being redeemable. So, you know what? For me, what I do need is that the bad team spends a quarter of the time that we have spent discussing this or that the fandom has spent discussing this. Discussing this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think that sums it up. Simple. Yeah, actually, like actually. sit the fuck down and have a real conversation about this. Take a vote. <laughs> You think if Alice goes even crazier, she's gonna be like, it's because you didn't give me a chance, because I would love that. I would eat that shit up. Literally. I would be like, see, see. Yeah, but then Ryan would be like, I was right to not give her a chance. I don't know if that would be Yeah, good. true. <laughs> true. You can never win with Ryan. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I totally see where Inez is coming from. I actually really get Ryan not wanting to give her a chance. Yeah, me too. I just thought that this season was all about having the bad team become more democratic. And... <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 That was not it in this episode. Yeah. And I mean, we talked about this before many fucking times, but the show has clearly brought Marquis to draw a parallel between what Ryan is going through with him and what Kate went through with Alice. With Alice, yeah. And, yeah. you know, to me, like we mentioned before, and like I was talking with Liliana earlier, there is no comparison there. Because Kate did have a relationship with Beth before she turned into Alice. And Ryan doesn't even have that with Marquise. Yep. So there isn't yep. that emotional connection there. But still, it's clear that the writers brought him along to kind of parallel the two situations so if Ryan doesn't come out of this with some sympathy towards Alice, then what the fuck was the point of this season? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Like, I love Ryan. I understand her motivations. I really do. But I have to say, the fact that she's not giving her even a chance is making me dislike her a little bit. And she used to be, like, on my top. And she still is. But I'm, you know, I'm waiting for that moment. I'm going to be really mad if that doesn't happen. It's just a chance, like you said, to treat her like she would any other criminal. Like, they don't have to go through Arkham to that awful place that doesn't help them. Mm -hmm. At least have, like, find a middle ground where she's like, no, Alice does not get the joy buzzer. But I'm also not going to send her to Arkham because I realize exactly. Exactly. if I don't want that from my brother, then I don't want that for anyone. And no one deserves mm -hmm. to be in there. You know? Like, that, that could have been cool. but That would that be so easy. Come on. <laughs> I don't know what, what the reason was for this choice of action. And I just want to say, before anyone comes for me, I love Ryan. Yeah, um, we love Ryan. <laughs> don't attack love, us. <laughs> yeah, I love that the storyline is giving us stuff to talk about. It's just complex. Yeah. Very. Yeah. We do still have one more episode left. Yeah. But at this point, we've had one Batwoman throw Alice in Arkham because she was like, she was not even trying to do anything else. I was hoping the second Batwoman would be a little different. Feels repetitive. Feels like we keep being um, joked around. Like they keep building our hopes up for Alice. And every single time she's back at Arkham. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. I'm just not into it anymore. 
I now want to move on to Marcus. Uh, him wanting to team up with Alice was interesting. Kind of out of nowhere, but okay. Alice was such a queen when he told her she could be the Harley to his Joker and she goes, I think you have that backwards. Like, <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, so about the whole Harley and Joker fucking situation, I just have to say fuck yes. Even though, come to think about it, Alice is still very much the Harley of this scenario. <laughs> She's way more than a sidekick. She's a fucking main character to her own story. And yes. infinitely scarier than the Joker could ever dream of being. Oh, very true. Uh, so, at least when she wants to be, that is. Um, hopefully they'll also parallel one another in their anti-hero arc. I hope. I got my fingers crossed. Uh, but before we get to you, Fran, I have to say that, funny enough, this wasn't the only mention to Harley in this episode. We had Kiki, may her soul rest in peace, ask Alice... <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, we have her ask Alice um, if she thought she was the only crazy blonde woman she'd had to deal with. So, yes. come on, Arrowverse, don't be shy. I need my girl. <laughs> Margot Robbie, yes. I'm free from Monday to Sunday. <laughs> just just hit me up. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed Marcus and Alice's scenes. Actually, I, I have been waiting for the team up, as you know. There mm -hmm. are so many villains in the season. I was actually robbed of the Alice, uh, Poison Mary, Marcus team up. Uh, but although it did feel a little out of nowhere, Marcus looking up to Alice is actually pretty fucking cool. Uh, yeah, when, when he introduced her as a legend, the menace of Gotham, the ringleader of rabbits, the queen of heartlessness. <laughs> that was Period. a really cool line. That Agreed. was a really cool line. I love that. I think that should be our episode title, by the way. Just by the Yes. <laughs> I like it. Um, Just to tease the whole fandom. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We're petty like that. You girls uh, are a menace. <laughs> Yeah, Alice has been so sidetracked in the season, so it was good to be reminded of her power. And at the same time, it was also just uncomfortable to watch because Marcus is at his most deranged state at the moment. Somewhere that we have seen Alice be before. And we have mm -hmm. accompanied her as she got back in touch with her humanity. So to see someone as ruthless as Marquise look up to her so much really brought the message home that Alice is no longer at that state. Um, and that she's now much more redeem redeemable than she was before. So having them come together in this episode, yeah, it made the double standard even more obvious, in my opinion. Because when they stand side by side, it's clear to the audience who is more worth saving. Yet the hero of the show is making the opposite choice, which is why it makes me think that the mixed messages are uh, proposable. Like, the, mm. the writers want there to be a debate. Not to, you know, not to congratulate Alice on the empire she builds, but can of take a look at what she's giving up? Because, like, <laughs> Literally. you know, when Marquise was, yeah, when Marquise was going through all those titles, I was like, damn, girl, you, you really are that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she's like, I just want to be Beth. Good yeah, old like, Beth. Fuck, who, who wants to be normal when you can rule God? She's been hanging out with the bad team too much. Honestly, yeah, they've been rubbing off on her. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and we had confirmation that the bus was indeed connected with the accidents. I wasn't expecting the bus to be the actual cause of it, but it was a really cool connection. I know you previously raised this, Inish. How did you feel? 
uh, not to flex, but when have I ever been wrong? And, uh, <laughs> so true. You know, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know, at everyone listening at home, I'm just kidding. I'm Don't cancel that, her. <laughs> I'm not that entitled. I've been wrong a lot of times. <laughs> but, you know, it felt great to have this little theory confirmed. Uh, I quite appreciate the show giving us the OG Joker, Jack Napier, in this universe, even if they never really did show his face. Uh, but yeah, Batwoman keeps going above and beyond every time. And all in all, I think it was a really nice connection. And overall, I really like that the show doesn't forget things that happened like two fucking seasons ago. I know it's not a lot, like two seasons, whatever, but... You know, I like the continuity of it all and I like that they take up these little tiny things and connect them together in ways that we are not expecting. I have a few things to say about the Easter eggs in a bit, uh, but but yeah, I really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Uh, I love when we get things right. It was this big plot twist reveal moment, but all I could think about was how Inez had guessed it ages ago. Um, like yeah. a really long time ago, you really saw that coming a mile away. Uh, I mean, it was canon for us already. <laughs> she was like, I remember she was like, It's a bridge, Alice was on a bridge. <laughs> that was your connection, I remember. Yeah, and I was like, Wait, there was a bus that hit the car, yeah, <laughs> on a <Genius>. bridge. <laughs> so, yeah, it was well done, you know. when when my two brain cells connect. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I agree with what you said. Uh, otherwise, that I feel I still think that it's real, uh, brilliant writing. Um, in one of one of those full circle moments that really shows that the writers write the show as a whole and not just episode by episode. Um, and it just connects two sides of the storylines in this season that were kind of opposite because you know Marcus and Alice don't really have any relationship until they do. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I love those kinds of things. Editor Fran here. So, we found exactly what Inish said. It was in episode 5 of our podcast. If you want to go back and listen to it. But in case you do not, we prepared it for you. So, here it is. A couple of days after watching the episode, my brain had like a little bit of an epiphany. And put two and two together on the randomest thing. But uh, basically, you know how Jada mentioned the whole thing with Marquis happening after the Joker hijacked the school bus? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you recall whose lives were also changed by a car crash involving a school bus? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it has got to be the same one. So the same event that changed Marquis's life forever also changed. Kate and Beth's lives. I have to say, I thought Jada was pretty useful this episode in stopping Marcus, and I thought her scenes with Ryan were pretty sweet, um, which is rare for me, you know? <laughs> but that makes me think she is dying in the finale. I don't know if you see it coming too. Not to quote Sasha from Married to the Real, but I'm looking to the left because this shit ain't right. <laughs> You know, don't even make me think about it because I really don't want Jada to die in the finale. I've been having this conversation with some of our mutuals on Twitter, but the thought of Ryan losing her mother for a third time is something I cannot deal with. Like, give that girl a fucking break. Uh, He's like, fuck Jada, I hate Jada. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not gonna say that. Not gonna say that. Uh, That's enough. (laughs) 
that's enough of popular opinions for today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Ines, I think she might be dying. I'm sorry. But um, I agree. This was my favorite episode of Jada so far. Um, having to pick between Ryan and Marcus in that moment and finally taking a stand made me trust her a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But she lied again to Ryan in this episode, so I must still be very cautious with my trusting yeah. her. But she's earning brownie points for me. Mm-hmm. Jayla really got to a point where she was like, Marquis, fuck Marquis, I don't know Marquis. <laughs> <laughs> finally, I have know. one daughter, and that's Ryan. <laughs> Okay, you know, I left the good topics for last, or almost last, and I just want to discuss Wildmore being a thing and the whole dynamic that they navigated with Sophie not having been in an out relationship with the girl before, and Ryan not hiding but not wanting to be public for fear of losing her. I just thought that was done beautifully, and I'm so proud of both of them. And also that parallel kiss uh, to the one in the woods was so good, I was so impressed. Mm-hmm. Yes, I hadn't, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, because she was stopping her in the middle of a sentence as well. Wildmore shut up Kiss's cannon. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it was cute. cute. And I was sad the rest of the episode, so that brightened me up. Even <laughs> though I was mad at them, but you Yeah, know. I mean, I was talking to Liliana <laughs> But it <earlier>. was cute. <laughs> I was talking to Liliana earlier while I was rewatching the episode, and I was like, fuck, how am I so upset at you guys one moment and just giggling the next? Like, yeah. it's not fair that I fucking love you all so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's the show for you. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I love Wildmore. Have I said that recently? <laughs> <laughs> I love them. I love them as individuals. I love their relationship. I don't even know where to start. Like, they just fill me with joy. Uh, I have to commend Maya and Daphne on the whole episode, of course, but I know this is a scene that they took a lot of pride in writing, and I can definitely see why. Uh, like, of course, it would make sense for Sophie, who's been married to a man and never got to have a public relationship with a woman before. And, you know, given the whole Batwoman situation she had going on in season one, to feel some type of way about Ryan practically hiding her from the rest of the team. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was a very valid, genuine concern. And I absolutely love how it was addressed so openly between the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one thing that seemingly won't be plaguing Wildmore as a ship is bad communication. Well, at least not anymore, because we all know how that you know, that rocky start to their relationship <laughs> was. Uh, but, you know, I for one really appreciate that. I also love that we got a quick mention to Jordan. Hashtag bring back Jordan. Yes, bring her back. Yes. <laughs> uh, and perhaps most importantly, Diane Moore. The two of you know how this hiatus drove me absolutely fucking insane. Uh, to the point I wrote a whole fic in my head surrounding, yeah. you know, <laughs> the issues Sophie has had with her mother and having to bring Ryan into all of that. So I'm very hopeful that the show will give us this in the upcoming season instead of just, you know, letting letting it by with this little remark in this episode. Uh, I think it would be a very pivotal moment in Sophie's development as a character, especially where the two left off in season one. And I personally love to see it. But then again, I'm always a sucker for more. (laughs) 
on a serious note, though, I think I've mentioned before, if not on the podcast, at least between us in our chats, that I quite enjoy the different backgrounds Sophie and Ryan have, where family is concerned, at least, with Ryan longing for a mother and Sophie not having the best relationship with hers. So I really like to see it developed with Ryan meeting Sophie's family and realizing that, you know, sometimes your family can be a piece of shit. Uh, I mean, we saw Sophie standing up to Jada on behalf of Ryan's best interest in this episode, and I'd pay to watch Ryan tell Diane off, or at least be very supportive mm. of her girlfriend. Oh my yes. god, guys, we can actually call them girlfriends now. Yay! Oh, <laughs> yeah, <Cute. laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, we definitely need a Jetson Moore's family dinner episode, like make it a Thanksgiving special or something. Yay! But <laughs> it's needed. Make it happen. Like, we've talked about this before. Make it happen. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, I have to agree. I thought that was a really interesting take to have Ryan uh, be the one that wanted to hide. Uh, not for closet reasons, but for trust issues. Mm-hmm. And having Sophie standing up and being like, hey, I've been hiding all my life and I'm finally ready to stop doing that. I thought that was such a character-defining moment for Sophie. And I really love her so much. Even if I'm mad at her at the moment, <laughs> she will always have such a soft spot in my heart. I thought it was a really smart uh, pretext to offer Sophie a chance to have that moment where she is like, I'm out and I am proud and I don't want to hide anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I think the whole thing about Ryan hiding uh, in like writing from a writer's perspective it was more about Sophie than it was about Ryan. It was so they could give Sophie that platform to be like, hey, I don't want to hide anymore, period. Mm-hmm. And I have to get your opinion on this, but one thing I really appreciate about this season, um, in comparison to season one particularly, because season two was kind of like, we didn't really have a lot of that in terms of, you know, same-sex relationships in the show, but... I really like how this season is a lot more nuanced than the first season. Mm. Yes. Like, they're very different, the seasons, in tone, especially in how they deal with these issues, but I think both of them are really important in their own ways. Like, I think season one did a very good job of being, you know, fucking loud um, in, in how they addressed this and how they addressed, you know, Kate's character and how proud she was of who she was to the point where she sometimes was a bit inconsiderate of Sophie. Like, I can remember that dinner scene that we talked about when we watched, uh, when you watched the episode the first time and we were watching it with you, um, that I told you made me a little uncomfortable because she kind of outed Sophie in front of all those people just to be petty. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know... In hindsight, I really liked that every other scene in season one felt like a punch in that sense. Like, it was very loud, very out there. And I think that first season did a very good job being that way in filtering out who isn't supposed to like this show, you know? Mm. Like, yes. Like, of course, Batwoman got a lot of haters in season one, but let's be real, it got a lot of haters for a reason, and these are people that didn't enjoy the show then and wouldn't enjoy it now. Yeah. Uh, And quite frankly, a lot of those people are people we don't want in the fandom anyways, so I'm glad the show was kind of like, we're here, we're queer, 
get the fuck with it or get away in the first season while now we are having all these you know very nuanced conversations it's not so in your face anymore like this whole talk we had about um this whole talk with sophie and ryan in this episode it's something that if you didn't have the first season for context you know you wouldn't quite get in the same mm -hmm. way but it was very a lot more subdued like it wasn't mm -hmm. it was a big deal to sophie but it wasn't a fucking big deal you know it was her standing up and being like hey i've been through this shit and i don't want to go through it again and like you said it was very important to the character but as a whole like you know it wasn't in your face it was just there yeah. and it was a normal conversation between two people and I really appreciated that and I really enjoy that in comparison to the first season even though I do find them both important in their own way. And also just the fact that Kate was Batwoman and Sophie's not like the main hero so I felt like being very like out and proud and uh, very clearly queer was really cool to see as the hero. I remember in the first season, uh, we, we talked about this a lot and the whole getting out of the closet storyline after so many years kind of feels old and I'm like, we have more stories to tell. But in the end, mm -hmm. in hindsight, like you said, looking back um, uh, to Sophie's storyline, it has been wonderful to see her grow. And I'm so glad this show has three seasons because we've had like that really nuanced, prolonged uh, very complete uh, growth and development and I love her and I'm very proud of her and I, I'm so happy yeah. that Ryan gets to give her the chance to be happy and proud and in love and for it to be a person who's going to make her feel so good like it's not going to be a toxic relationship and uh, obviously there's going to be drama because it's a drama and uh, writers are going to write of drama yeah. and <laughs> they're not done with suffering and stuff. But I don't know. It just feels very full circle and um, it's very wholesome. Their relationship is very wholesome. I think they're amazing. They're going to do amazing things for each other in terms of confidence mm -hmm. and, um, and just their general happiness and healing, really. Mm-hmm. And I have to bring up something you said in the previous episode that I really liked uh, when you said that if there's someone you can trust not to break your heart is Sophie Moore. Yeah. And I'm really glad that we're seeing, you know, that on Ryan's side, kind of. Mm -hmm. Like, she, she saw that there was an issue there, that Sophie took an issue with it, and she solved it immediately. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. And it's so like... It's like, you know, they're they're really perfect for each other because I couldn't imagine anyone else being perfect for Sophie and what she needs. And I couldn't imagine anyone else having the patience and everything that Sophie does to Ryan, you know? Like, mm -hmm. Sophie has always been this grounding force to Ryan, but also she's patient with her. You know, she they encountered this situation and this problem and, you know, Sophie didn't shy away from it. She didn't you know, put a lid on it and pretend it didn't exist. She came forward and she spoke her mind and, you know, Ryan listened and they fixed the problem. And I think that's, you know, like you said, and you were very giddy, I could hear it in your voice when you were saying it, it's not a toxic relationship and it's not <laughs> going to be one if they keep just, you know, being who they are. And yeah. I really love that. And I agree with you that I think they're going to bring out the best in each other. 
as much as I've been uh, criticizing the writers in this episode, props to them for not going the cheapest, like most dramatic way that mm -hmm. this could have gone. Uh, instead, they had them talk like adults, and it was so wholesome, yeah. it was so cute. Uh, it was a good example as well for people who might be watching this show. And um, that scene was hugely important, just hearing Sophie say those things. Yeah, exactly. I love when two adults communicate on a TV show because nothing pisses me off more than miscommunication. Mm -hmm. It's just such a great example of a healthy couple and they're so cute and the writers are doing such a great job. I'm really proud. Mm -hmm. And I find it fucking funny that, uh, you know, I live tweeted the episode and a few hours before the episode, the Batwoman official account tweeted something about like, is Wildmore in danger or something like that? Or can they, you know, make it through the hurdles of their relationship? It, was, it wasn't mm -hmm. like that, but it was something along those lines. And the whole fandom was like, what the fuck is this? Uh, and after the episode, the writers were like, ha gotcha. And I'm like, is this what we are now? We like, can trust them. <laughs> like, I, I guess we're so used to things not being this way and characters not addressing shit and just letting miscommunication ruin things. That when they actually do, we're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> this is strange. <laughs> And, I mean, the way that the writers get to use that as a gotcha, like, fuck you. <laughs> Don't play <laughs> with the my best. trust issues. <laughs> also, I just wanted to mention Mary and Luke's reaction being their exact personality was such an iconic moment. I love them so much, and I hope they get ideas and go next, you know. <laughs> they have That's to. literally what I wrote on my phone. I was like, Hamilfox when, though? When they were, like, exiting <laughs> exactly. the room. <laughs> my note is, Hamilfox Nation needs your turn to rise, so... <laughs> <laughs> like, it was perfect. They were just like, oh, you guys actually did this. Oh, this is real. It's possible. It's possible. Mm. <laughs> You know, and I had this moment when uh, Mary was ushering um, Luke to get out of there and leave Sophie and Ryan alone. I was like, wait, doesn't Mary live with Ryan? Where the fuck are they going? <laughs> like, I got ideas. Where is she pending the night? <laughs> I got ideas. <laughs> I got ideas there for a second, but then she went to visit Alice at Arkham, which I guess, you know, is honorable. honorable <laughs> I guess. <laughs> But yeah, Mary truly was the representation of the fandom. She and was. <laughs> let's be real. Luke was playing coy. Like, he totally knew what was going on. He was like, mm, seriously? Uh. With his serious tones, that's so Luke. I was just laughing. I mean, after his last conversation with Sophie in that one episode, I think it's safe to say that Luke's days of pretending to be clueless uh, when he does, in fact, know more than he ever lets on oh, are he completely knows. open. <laughs> like, Lucas, I'm not trusting you anymore. I know you know shit. He knows. <laughs> I mean, when is he going to tell Ryan that Sophie has lied to her for like a decade or whatever? <laughs> When he lets yeah. that out, it's over for Sophie. Sophie's going to kill him. <laughs> He's going to choose that moment really carefully. It's like, going to be at their going... wedding. <laughs> oh, yeah. Best man speech. <laughs> you know, he, he won't do it, though, because he knows Sophie's capable of murder and he knows he can hide a body, so... I just have one last question about Marcus now having access to the Batcave. 
How do you think that will play out in the finale? And what do you predict his move is going to be? Girl, I don't even know. <laughs> the writers got me fucked up. Like they pay for my anxiety medication or something. Like, in all seriousness, though, I have no idea what he's plotting. I mean, we already know the Batcave has plenty of stuff he can get his hands on in order to wreak havoc. Mm. But can you imagine if he finds something we didn't even know was there? Mm. Like, possible lead up to season four? Ooh. And we get more marquees. That would be cool. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Nick has been kind of nudging at returning for next season. So like, oh yes, yeah. I hope he does. Are you oh. not dying, sir? Hmm. <laughs> Jada like is definitely I, dying. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's one or the other. It's one or the other. Stop it's, it! It I, has to I'm be. I'm covering my ears. <laughs> I'm not listening to you. <laughs> I'm kicking you out. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do it. Your cat is on my lap. You can't do anything. <laughs> get, get, you're gonna keep the cat hostage. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I think Marcus is gonna go for Ryan. Um, and I think he might even reveal her identity. Maybe. Uh, they've been hinting at that a little bit. Uh, I don't know. I'm just gonna. I'm just theorizing here because I asked. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I think he might maybe reveal the Batcave, make the symbol of Batman, like, lose its mystery kind of thing. Um, all I know is he'll be very powerful, and we didn't talk about him much, but much like Jada, this was my favorite Marquis episode. Mm -hmm. um, maybe because he was being so flattering towards Alice <laughs> that he gained some points for me there. Uh, but, yeah, also wanting to do to the parents the same things that they did for their mentally ill children. I have to say, boss move. <laughs> but, yeah, I want to see more of him, yeah. actually. I don't want him mm -hmm. to go just yet. You know, that reminds me of the interaction we had with Nick on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> the one where he was like, I love being able to make you root for the bad guy. And we were like, rooting might be a teeny bit too much here. Yeah. <laughs> more like we don't disagree all of the time. <laughs> Yeah. Make some points. <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes Marquise, you know, has an enlightened moment. Uh, okay, is there anything else you want to talk about? I guess we should talk about the Easter eggs. But uh, yeah, I think this is an opening for Inês. But I noticed yeah. we've we've mentioned the early references, and I thought the the Black Glove members coming back was cool. And they, I think, they were all Easter eggs. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I only picked up on Jim Gordon's wife. Because I've watched like the the Dark Knight movies and stuff, mm -hmm. uh, but because she is a, an Easter egg, I assumed everyone else was. So Ines, do you know anything about the other members? Yeah. Uh, okay. Before I get into them, you know, like we like you said, we had Barbara Keen, um, and those who watch Gotham, not I. Uh, might be familiar with her. She is the ex-wife of Commissioner Jim Gordon, as Fran mentioned. She is the mother of JJ, or James Gordon Jr., if you feel so inclined. And even though the show didn't mention it, and I'm mad at them for not mentioning it, um, she is also the mother of Barbara Gordon. Um, so, yeah. JJ mm -hmm. is a Joker-inspired villain in the comics, and uh, Barbara, as most people know, and I mean, I assume 
all of us know, is um, one of the bad girls. So even though the show didn't confirm Barbara's existence in this episode, which I'm kind of mad about them, this is the second bad girl they've had on the show, and Crickets, but anyway. Um, as you mentioned, she's a member of the Bee Gees, which make a return in this episode. Yeah. Um, and she's a member alongside Marla Elliott, you know, who's Tommy Elliott's mother and the founder of the whole thing. So mm -hmm. that was, I guess, an Easter egg because they tied yeah. it back up to Tommy Elliott in season one and two. Yeah. Um, there's also a member of the Crone family who, uh, according to my Google search, because this one did not ring a bell at all, um, was one of the five uh, ruling class families of Gotham. Then we had the Falcons, which uh, are an Italian mobster family in the DC universe. And, of course, we had also Jeremiah Arkham, who is a, psych a psychologist, who's the head administrator at, you know, Arkham Asylum. So those were all Easter eggs from the DC universe. Um, we also had uh, a mention, I mean, a confirmation in this case, to something we talked about in the previous episode, which was yeah, Jason, the crowbar. Yeah, yeah, the crowbar. Jason Todd's death. Um, so it was kind of fun to have Kiki mention that. I wasn't expecting them to actually name drop it, but you know, it's Batwoman. I shouldn't be surprised anymore. They do whatever the fuck they want. Uh, and, um, we then had another little nod to Alice's season one endeavors when she and Marquis introduced themselves to each other. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but Alice has said... Marquis Jet, I presume, to which he replies, in the flesh, don't steal it. Uh, which is a very clear nudge to Alice stealing the flesh of corpses. That was such morgue, a good line. <laughs> at the morgue in season one in order to cover up Mouse's yeah. face. So that was fun. Uh, but yeah, those are the things I had written down for this episode. Nice. <laughs> And that's it from us. We hope you have enjoyed. We definitely missed it. And again, we want to thank uh, the new listeners as well as everyone who interacts with us on social media. We are Arkham underscore archives. Feel free to talk to us there always. We're always happy to meet uh, new people. And see you next week for the finale. Oh boy. Bye. Bye. I hate to think about it. <laughs> I know. I guess. It has to be. Stress. No. <laughs> I rebuke this. <laughs> I mean, I already confirmed in my head that there's gonna be a season four, so it's fine. Well, actually, we're gonna make new There has to be a season four, but actually, you know, other than that rumor we heard, and I mean, I, I'm sorry for prolonging the podcast, people, but, you know, get on mm -hmm. with the program. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but I was watching Married to the Reels reaction earlier, as I mentioned, and they brought about something interesting, which is, it seems like Grant from The Flash is close to closing his contract or has already finished it for season nine of The Flash. So, what they brought about, and I think would make sense, is even though the CW hasn't renewed shows yet, openly, it's clear that they're negotiating with people behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. So maybe... And by maybe, I mean hopefully, 
uh, the CW can still go to shit and the shows will just move to HBO Max, which I think would help everyone. So, yeah, that's, that's my hope. Okay, bye. Bye. bye.